Good morning and good evening. Here in the U.S., it's 10 o'clock in the evening. In Bollywood, it's, what, 7.30 in the morning? Glad you could all make it this morning, that you are up early. No sleepy heads. Get them up. <laughs> Having your tea. Sharing the Word of God together. And if I break for some water now and then, please forgive me. I have a hoarse voice. You're in tune to Enlightenment Radio. I am your guide, mystic guide, your host. You can get Enlightenment Radio on most any app, on all the app applications, Android, Apple. Our home is the mystical voyage. Dot com, where you can see our book, Christ in a Mystery, a Mystical Approach to Conscious Enlightenment out of the Scriptures. It is written in such a way that it will be transformational and enlightening. Aren't we tired of just learning? We want to be enlightened. So we are seeking enlightenment. Tonight is going to be enlightening. We have several announcements. Well, a few. Let me put this music down and just talk with you so you can hear me. Also, Enlightenment Radio is available in podcast form on podcast by Apple and Spotify, thanks to Ravi's hard work, keeping this in order, keeping me in order, <laughs> and keeping me informed. We will be going over tonight the proclamations of Christ in a Mystery Fellowship. A proclamation I sent through your chat room is uh, not exactly what they define it in here. A proclamation is an official announcement made in public. Well, that is. A meaning or to announce or declare something as an official or formal matter. Well, okay. Most churches if you go to their website, have what they call our statement of belief or about. And if you look under that statement of belief, it will always start with the Nicene Creed or the creeds of the Trinitarian Councils. If you do not have that in your Statement of belief, you're considered a cult. I'll leave it at that. So I'm your mystic guide because I have a map, and I guide you to what I believe are words of truth in the Scripture. I don't tell you 
how to decipher, I decipher them, I decode them, then I leave it up to you to decide whether it's the truth. So the steps are like this. You believe the truth, then you come to an understanding. That's the next level. After understanding comes enlightenment. And with that enlightenment, you can be transformed into an enlightened one. Simple as that. Then you go to the next level. There are several levels on our website. Body, soul, and spirit. They are all integral parts of our being. The spiritual being eternal. The soul being the what gives us animation, what gives us our personality, and the body is what gives us our breath and our food and our other things that we need to walk by the Spirit. So, without any further to do, I'm going to refer to my... First, I'm going to read <clears throat> what the 12 proclamations of the mystic church, the scrolls of the mystic church, are on our website. But I have transferred them to now the proclamations of Christ in a Mystery Fellowship. Okay? So each time I speak, this letter wants to pop up. doesn't want to stay stable. Hmm. Number one, the Lord our God is one. He alone created the heavens and the earth. That's number one proclamation. Jesus Christ was foreknown. I'm going to have to read these from a piece of paper. Because that page is not cooperating. My bad. The Lord our God is one. He alone created the heavens and the earth. Proclamation number two. Jesus Christ was foreknown of God, began at his conception, is the Son of God, and is seated at the right hand of the Most High God, his Father. Number three, we are sons of God by birth, born of God's Spirit via Jesus Christ and his accomplishments. Next, we are one with God and have eternal life in glory as one. Five, the Holy Spirit is attributed name given to God and is God the giver. Holy Spirit is not a person, small h, small s, but it is the gift of God and a new creation. The next, no one except the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. No man has descended to a fiery hell. The dead are dead, and the only one who has ever lived and died is alive today is the Lord Jesus Christ.
We are born-again believers. We be, will be raised up and caught up together at the quickening. All others will be at the resurrection of the just and the unjust. Proclamation. Number eight. We have a greater glory. Eternal life spirit than they of the Old Testament and gospel period. And will have free reign between heaven and earth. They will inherit the earth and everlasting life in paradise. That's the Jewish faith. And body and soul upon the condition they eat and drink from the tree of life and the river of living waters. We are the body of Christ, the church, and are of the celestial glory. They of the old covenant are the terrestrial glory and are the bride of Christ and will reign the new Jerusalem on earth. Speaking in tongues is our God-given prayer language, is communion with God and Holy Spirit, and the only true worship, which is our eternal purpose. The last two, we are followers of the true gospel of God and the apostles' doctrine given via Holy Spirit. This reveals the grace, the great mystery, and the glory of God. We are the initiated, perfecting, enlightened ones, and of the household of God. For our bond is the bond of perfection knitted together in love. And we are to be like-minded through the fullness of the light of the mind of Christ. We are Christ in a Mystery Fellowship. Our mission, which I spoke of last week, to lead people under the way of God more perfectly and to make all mankind see what is the fellowship of the mystery and our creed, the Lord our God is one, even as we are one, Christ in a Mystery Fellowship. So what I'm going to do is proceed to go through as many as I can tonight. Proclamation and validate with what verses that clarify it. So, I say so a lot. <laughs> verses pertaining to it's always something that wants to divert attention from the truth. I'm just going to mention this. You know why? Because we are over the target. And if we're over the target and things start happening that resist, that's when you know you're over the target. The world doesn't want you to know the truth. Satan doesn't want you to know the truth. Neither does the churches. That's why they teach tradition. That's why they have their 
own, how shall I say, proclamations that were developed since the fourth century. Ravi does an excellent job of defining the difference between a Unitarian Christian and what is a so-called Christian. Okay. <clears throat> when it says that he was foreknown, Deuteronomy 6.4 declares, I, the Lord thy God, am one God. And Jesus reiterates, this is called the Shema of Israel, the Deuteronomy. It's the foundation. It's the constitution of the entire Bible. One God. And it comes from the first commandment of Deuteronomy. Now, when Jesus was asked, in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 30, 28 through 30, 12, 28 through 34. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, ask him, asking Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And of course, most people automatically think it's to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and spirit. But is that what Jesus really said here in Mark? Jesus answered him, the first and of all great commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to take a short break and figure out why this document is flying all over my computer. So I'll be right back. The spice expands consciousness. Expands consciousness. The music you are listening to is coming from Enlightenment Radio. Sound waves that lift your consciousness, enhance your mood, and transcends time and space. Visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com where you'll be guided each level of transformation to become an enlightened one.
Okay, I found a document that's moving all over the place. <clears throat> so let's start with Mark and what Jesus said. One of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You notice he says, our God? Jesus said, our God. He was a Jew. So Jesus had a God. You can't be God and have a God. <laughs> one Lord, and that Lord is one Lord God, Jehovah. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. That's your body, soul, and heart. You notice he doesn't mention the word spirit here. It's because a spirit was not yet available. And this is the first commandment, he says. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all thy heart, with all thy understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. Well, Jesus saw, he answered discreetly, and he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, and no man after that ask him any question. So the second proclamation okay, declares Jesus Christ was foreknown of God, began at his conception, is the Son of God, and is seated at the right hand of God. Romans 8, chapter 8, 28 through 30, mark this down. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them are the called of God according to his purpose. For him he did foreknow, okay? He foreknew. To foreknow something means to see in the future. It doesn't mean he existed then. It means he was foreknown. Also, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, After that statement in Romans, he is no longer referred as the only begotten of God because now God has birthed millions of us. So he is the firstborn among many brethren. Also in Genesis 3.15, God foretold of his coming Messiah. As an additional truth, only God has foreknowledge. That's right. Some people think that uh, clairvoyance or teachers of, you know, gypsies, people who 
can foretell the future. They can't because only God can do that. They can guess. They can think about it. They can tell it with confidence, but I used to listen to the Art Bell Show. And late at night, he would have these psychics come on. Gordon Michael Scallion. Boy, was he a big show catcher. He would come on and make predictions. And I started counting how many of them came true. And it was almost none. Nostradamus, same way. It's all made to fit together to make them sound like they have foreknowledge, but they don't. Now, we also have, in conclusion about the rest of the verse, that he's the son of God, and he's to be called the son of God, and that he is seated at the right hand of God. I know what's going on. My text is moving the document. So I need to shut that off. And go back to when Gabriel first made his announcement to Mary and Joseph. He proclaimed that which is conceived in thee is the Son of the Most High, Most High God. Well, if there's a Most High God, what, is there a halfway Most High God? <laughs> no. The verse, his birth, where the angel Gabriel declares him to be the Son of the Most High God, that he will be considered so anyone who calls the mother of the Son of God, after all, who is the Most High, use your logic. And verses after his ascension declare him to be seated at the right hand of God. So for a scriptural lesson, I suggest you do this. You get a concordance, an app, and you simply look up the word seated because I'm not going to go through every verse with you. So if you look up the word seated, and then you'll look up the word that applies in the New Testament, it, you'll see that God seated him at his own right hand. It's called a concordance. That's how you learn the scriptures. You make it your own. And you will find that the verses where he says he is seated at the right hand of God, so I've got to get you to start learning how to use a concordance on your own and looking up scriptures on your own. I had to use the old school, those old heavy books, those concordances. It was amazing. They're still out there. Every word in the Bible, Greek and Hebrew, were translated and told you where they were. So now, Peter also says, Chapter 1, verse 23, Peter says, We are born again of incorruptible seed by way of Jesus Christ's accomplishments because he was planted in the ground. He became God's perfect seed, and it's stated so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. 
and to seeds as many, reserve one and two, by seed which is Christ. So the entire time God was planning on creating a seed so that he could have a spiritual family. And Christ was the anointed one chosen to become that seed. See, he needed a seed in order to have a spiritual family. Now, the next proclamation. We are one with God and have eternal life and glory with God as one. I think the best chapter for that is chapter 17 of John. Just read the entire chapter. It's the most beautiful chapter and one of my favorites to read. Where Christ prays that we may be one even as he and the Father are one over and over. Now, if that was not available, then he wouldn't say that. If it was not available to become with one with God and Jesus Christ, then it would not be available. Well, Jesus Christ said, it's available. I have a chapter on the oneness of God in my book. So look, Trinitarian, we're only read this chapter without closing. <clears throat> here's here's what you, how you answer. A Trinitarian who points out a verse, I and my Father are one. Well, then you say, well, I am one with God also, according to John 17. Does that make me God? No. Does that make Jesus Christ God? No. In the context, I and my Father are one. They are one in unity and purpose. How foolish. Now, as for God being the Holy Spirit, capital H, capital S, that is a tributed name when he uses his power, and it's a small h, small s, in the Greek, meaning it's a gift. Small h, small s, no cap, no uh, article the. So often, the Holy Spirit is left in the King James with a capital H and a capital S. It's marked wrong. It should be a small h and a small s without the article the, according to the context. And the gift you can learn more about this in my video under the introduction and the mystical voyage body soul and spirit part one and part two i believe it really clarifies the difference between body soul and spirit and you'll see that the also in there is the gift and the giver and that video will clarify the difference between capital h capital s holy spirit One is a gift, one is a giver. But the gift is not a person, please. Never referred to as a person. It's referred to as a comforter. And where it is referred to as a person a couple of times, I clarify that. Let me speak about that right now. Look, in the Spanish language, you have the table. And... It's translated in English, the table. But in Spanish, it's, hmm, uh, let's say the table. I don't know table. 
I'm trying to think. La Casa is female. La Casa. Well, we don't say the female house in English. We just say the house. El Toro is the bull. There we go. El, the, toro, the bull. But we translate it as a bull, not the male bull. So it's the same in the Greek. They may have masculine and feminine articles. However, it's translated, not translated that way. But the translator decided to keep it in the King James to deceive us and keep us into thinking that it's a person. <clears throat> no man has ascended into heaven. Even it says that of King David. If any man deserved to be in heaven, chosen of God, it was King David. But it says King David is dead, and he's waiting the resurrection. Even Martha knew this. When Martha prayed for the Lord to come raise her brother, or take care of Lazarus when he was sick before he died. Jesus didn't come, and Lazarus died. And Jesus finally showed up, and Martha was frantic. Lord, Lord, if you'd been here sooner, Lazarus wouldn't be dead. It had been four days. Jesus said, Lazarus sleepeth. She goes, Lord, I know that the dead shall be raised again in the end times, she says. She had it accurate. She got it right. She got right more than any theologians or evangelists or preachers in the pulpit do. She knows that the dead will not rise until the end times and that the dead are dead. So Jesus said, this is for the glory of God. And after he raised Lazarus from the dead, that's when all hell broke loose and they decided they were going to kill him. There's a book out <clears throat> by Dr. Wherewell called Are the Dead Alive Now? which touches upon a few verses that prove, and I know the evidence for the dead are dead. The Greek philosopher Plato and others have created a philosophy that the mortal soul is eternal. It lives on, and that is a lie. I will at some point in time endeavor to put an appendix in my book, Christ in a Mystery, because it is a need to show the counterfeit of spiritualism. Also, the new birth is a new creation. I refer to my book on the chapter. If I have time, I'll read it briefly tonight. I'll grab my handy-dandy iPad in a minute. I'm preparing, but no one teaches at that we are a new creation. You know that? When you're born again, you are a new creation. To create means to bring into existence that which never existed before. So that is the word creature, and the Bible is the word creation, and it states that we are a new creation. That's true. I want to grab my iPad and read from it. But let's move on.
we as born-again believers will be raised up at the gathering. That's in chapter 7 of my book. In great detail, ends as the main record of our gathering together, which did not know, Jesus did not know because he did not know that part of the mystery. He knew very little of the mystery. Most pastors, clergy, think Matthew chapter 24 is the gathering together again, but it has nothing to do with the gathering together, but with the resurrection of the just and unjust. And I detail this in my book and we'll share this clearly in chapter 7. Now, this part where it says we have a greater glory, this proclamation, we have a greater glory than they of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. This portion, it's in my book, The Greater Glory, so I'm anticipating. I'm going to read from it shortly. And let me grab my iPad. The greater glory is not understood because most people in the church today magnify the Jews or the Jewish culture as part of the Christian heritage. And it's not true. It's a misnomer. So I will get out my iPad and I will read to you a bit from The Greater Glory. Be back in a second. You are in tune to Enlightenment Radio, home of the ultimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit, and unlimited music 24 7. Be sure and visit our website at enlightenment-radio.com. There you can journey through the mystical voyage and also view our schedule of programming. Thank you for listening.
Chapter 3 deals with the sonship and family. Watch my page turning here. And I will get to the greater glory, conception of Christ, and we are a new creation. And now we are part of God's family. The new creation. Well, when an unsaved person is saved, he is a new creation, freshly born into God's family. It is clear that a person's new birth is a one-time event and not a process, or something that happens over time. Unlike other administrations where salvation was dependent on how the person lived his whole life, in the administration of the mystery, Salvation is a one-time event that cannot be undone. When a person believes he is created both new in time and in quality, nothing like this was ever said of believers before the Christian church began on Pentecost. And being a new creation is part of the wonder of the great mystery. As it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered in the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. According, he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world and before all creation. You see, there's foreknowledge at play again. He chose us in him. Unlike John Calvin trying to say we were predestined. If God chose us in him, it's because he knew we would believe. And so he arranged everything according to our believing, knowing that we would believe. That's another form of predestination. But predestination does not mean you were had no choice, that you were a robot, that you had to believe. That's how you clarify predestination. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creation, and every newly creation being to follow, or for by him God all things were created, that are in the heavens and are in the earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. That's in a parenthetical phrase in 1 Corinthians, and it refers to God. So, we are a new creation. It says so. And the greater glory... That proclamation, we have a greater glory. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, the initiated ones, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in what? A mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. There's that foreknowledge in play again. When I am among many Christians, the perfect, the ones initiated fully into the mystery, I speak the words of higher wisdom, but not the kind that comes from here on earth and not the kind that appeals to spiritual rulers of this world who are doomed to fall. Our words are wise because they are from God, 
telling of God's ordained plan to bring us into the glories of the spiritual heaven realm. This plan was hidden in former ages, though it was made for our glory before the world began. That's paraphrased from 1 Corinthians. This is an introduction to the church, specifically to the Corinthians. Theologians have erroneously taught that Corinthian church was a mess, that some of the greatest revelation in all the facets of the mystery and the spiritual kingdom were given to them. They were hardly babes. He addressed a few who were off the reservation, but as a whole, they were truly set apart and fertile to receive such wisdom of the highest. In the context from which we will extract the greater glory topic is revealed plainly and succinctly from unto our glory and the above verse and expounded upon later in 2 Corinthians. The quote from the gift of Holy Spirit, the power to be like Christ, sums up some of the major differences between the age of the mystery and the previous age as follows. At this point, we should stop and reflect on what we know about the believers in the Old Testament and the Gospels. They are never called new creations. They are never said to be born again. In fact, Old Testament individual and no Old Testament individual is ever called born of God. They are never said to be citizens of heaven. They are never said to be incorruptible, incorruptible seed of God. They are never said to have a holy nature. They are never said to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Nor is Holy Spirit upon them said to be a guarantee of their everlasting life. In fact, it is specifically because these things are not mentioned in the Old Testament and the Gospels that some Bible students have a hard time believing God actually did for them as Christians. Many Bible students think that God always deals with people the same way and that he will deal with us the way he dealt with Moses, Miriam, Ruth, and David. However, this is not the case. God made the rules, and what he decided to do for the Christian church was not business as usual. God had done something for Christians that was never done before, the church age, and it's something he kept as a mystery. Once we understand the permanent salvation is due to spiritual birth by receiving the seed and nature of God and as something special God has done for the Christian church, we can better understand why Christians have debated for years whether or not salvation is permanent. There are verses that seem to support such position. This is due to the fact that Salvation was not permanent before the age of grace. And so verses from the Old Testament and Gospels show that. On the other hand, verses from the church epistles show that salvation is permanent. People who try to integrate the Bible into a whole rather than pay attention to the specific rules God gave to each administration will find verses they cannot reconcile with their position. Why are the verses in the Old Testament and Gospels that clearly indicate a person can lose salvation and verses in the epistles that clearly state God's creation, salvation, is secure? The answer is that God's rules regarding salvation have changed. Once we understand 
that this scripture must be examined with the individual administrations or dispensations, the entire subject of salvation falls together. That's in my chapter, The Greater Glory. There is not a man on the planet who can reconcile the church epistles with the gospels. It cannot be done. This is why the obedience preachers out there saying, you must be obedient to the word. Well, if their gospel is the four gospels and they're obedient to the word, if you turn your eye and lust toward a woman, then pluck out your eye. If you're thinking about stealing, then cut off your hand. So why aren't there more people out there with no eyes and no hands if they were obedient to their gospel? People, Jesus Christ was here to the circumcision to fulfill the law and to fill, fulfill everything required, and the Jews rejected him. There's another verse. Uh, he who uh, is plowing in the field and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. Well, they tell us that. That's not written to us. That's written to the Jews. You see, there are different administrations. We do not belong under the law. Christ was the end of the law to those who want to know and believe. Thank God we don't have to give sacrifices every other day. We are under the age of grace. And I list the eight wonders that we are under in the mystery. This is why we are Christ in a mystery fellowship. So we have a greater glory. And I'm going to paraphrase it, and the verses are in there in my book and in the Word. First of all, the Jews will inherit the earth. That's speaking of them. They will inherit paradise. In the end, Revelation speaks of those who will be in paradise. Jesus Christ said of them, if they thirst or when they thirst, they must come and drink from the river of living waters and the tree of life. Yet we are promised that we shall never thirst again, remember? Now how can that be? How do you reconcile that? When Jesus Christ told the woman at the well, and I'm going to go there right now, John chapter 4, one of my favorite passages in the Word regarding the woman at the well who said unto him, give me this living water. And Jesus was speaking of the Spirit. John chapter 4, if I remember my Bible right. Okay, so... Our fathers worshiped, this is the woman at the well, in the mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Well, Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain or yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Remember, he came unto his own. But the hour is coming, and now is, that true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You know what that is, people? 
That's our spiritual prayer language. It's the only way to worship God, in the spirit. Raising hands, lighting candles, dancing. <laughs> that may be praise, but it's not true spiritual worship. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, the woman said unto him, I know the Messiah cometh who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Well, guess what Jesus said? Woman saith unto her, I that speak unto you am him, am he. And upon this came the disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thee, or why talkest you with the woman? And she ran off, dropped her water pail, water vase, and ran to tell the others that he was the Messiah. But before that, Jesus answered and said, Under whosoever drinketh of this water, speaking of the Spirit, the new birth, Jesus did have some glimpses of the mystery and the new birth. He said, Under her, whoever shall drinketh of this water shall what? Never thirst again. Or no, he's speaking of the water she's getting. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give, him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be inside him or in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you see the difference, people? A spiritual being, we have the well, the spring, the allegory is a spirit, constantly welling up inside of us. We shall never thirst again. So how can it be that these preachers have, I don't know, over the last 20 years, have taken us and removed us from heaven, put us back here on earth, and tell us that all the events in the book of Revelation are written to us and that we are going to inherit paradise. There's a conflict here. If Jesus in the end of Revelation says, those who are thirst and hungry must eat and drink of the river of living waters and the tree of life, but we are told that we shall never thirst again, we are light years from those people in paradise. Paradise is not heaven. We are seated already in the heavenlies. We are already in a spiritual kingdom. Why would God go to all this trouble to make us spiritual beings, a spiritual family, a race of spiritual beings, to put us back into a material world? It just doesn't make sense to me. And when you try to make sense to people, I don't know when it was. And I was growing up, I wasn't a churchgoer. I didn't read the Bible, but I do remember you were either going to heaven or you weren't. That was the goal of a Christian. You were going to heaven. Well, now, somewhere along the line, they've rewritten, as they normally do. They've perverted. They've rewritten. They've changed. They've modified the word to be written to all of us that we're going to be here on earth, on paradise. Well, wait a minute. I understand, we shall rule as kings, it says. 
and Jesus Christ shall rule his kingdom. Well, what is his kingdom? To me, it's a galactic proportion. Maybe it's the Milky Way. Maybe Earth is his headquarters. <laughs> we shall have free reign between heaven and earth, it says in my proclamation. We shall have free reign from heaven and earth. But we're not stuck here. Only those of body and soul have to remain here. They cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, what about John the Baptist? Did it not say, Jesus say, there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. You know why? Because John never got born again. John never became a spiritual being. Now, how do you reconcile that, pastors and preachers? The greatest prophet, there is a hierarchy in the kingdom of heaven. That's true. But no one's going to be unhappy. Some will rule in a kingdom. Some will rule in a domain. Some will rule in a principality, which is a different domain. But nevertheless, we have a greater glory than John, a greater glory than David and Moses, because we are spiritual beings in a spiritual kingdom that opened up 2,000 years ago and was made available to all mankind. Jesus Christ said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I like to paraphrase that as saying, if I be lifted up, meaning raised from the dead, I will draw all men who are seeking me. That's why we have a greater glory. That's what we have to look for. So to put us in the same camp as the Jews and the other nations is just folly and is there. All this started with a book back in the 60s called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. He's the one that started this hoax. And when he said the first generation that returned to Israel within that generation would be the end times. Well, he's had to move the goalposts several times because several generations have come and gone. Another false prophet. Remember Jesus said there would be plenty of false prophets? That's true. So, as I was saying, we have a greater glory than they of the Jewish faith and of the nations. By the way, in Ezekiel, if you'll read, God said to Ezekiel, you see them bones in the valley? You see those bones? Those are the bones of all of Israel. Ezekiel 37 has not come to pass yet. God said, I will breathe into them life and they shall live again. So those people who came and occupied Israel, according to Hal Lindsey, are Jews. When we know, in fact, that the only way you can prove you're a Jew is by written documentation of generation after generation, like they kept in the scriptures. None of them have documentation, and there is no such thing as a DNA that shows a race. 
The Genome Project eliminated that. But somehow, they watered down the Genome Project and kept race, racism alive, when in fact God said to Ezekiel, you see these bones? That is all of Israel. So all of Israel's dead. They died within one generation of Jesus Christ. In other words, there are plenty of verses from Paul, from others that show that they're extinct. They were a hybrid breed to bring about the Messiah. And if this offends you, it offends some people, I'm sorry. But it is a hoax that's perpetrated mainly by the uh, Christian world, church world, Trinitarian world. What do they call that? The uh, Judeo-Christian ethic. They call it the Judeo-Christian country. Well, we're not Judeo-Christian. So, in a moment, I will be back with some more of your proclamations. I'm going to go on till I finish, and we'll figure out where to, uh, where'd you go? Let's just go, here's a little tidbit for you. Here's where I got the term mystic church. I got it from a Van Morrison song, and it's called The Common One. And the words to this song intrigue me. He talks about paradise, mystic church, brotherhood of the light. He talks about feel the silence. So I'm going to play this, and momentarily, I will be back. Long, 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 long
Take you down. Take you down. To a town called paradise. Maybe we can be free. We can be free. We're gonna drink that wine. Gonna drink that wine. Gonna jump for joy. In a town called paradise. All those quid you time. Make everything alright. Until we get that. Till 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 we get that. 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 Squeal and feel it. Squeal and feel it. Squeal and feel it. Squeal and feel it.
the one and only Van Morrison. He has a lot of Christian music out. He's a very faithful Irish Christian. Of course, Irish, Ireland, associated with Catholicism. I don't know where he stands, but he writes a lot of beautiful Christian. <clears throat> so we're on our last body of Christ. Let's go from 10, 11, and 12 and finish up. Number 10, speaking in tongues is our God-given prayer language, is communion with God and Holy Spirit, which is our only true worship, which is our eternal purpose, which we just read from John 4.4. 4. So that is the verse that validates that. Also, you can read that in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, oh no, 1st Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and in my book, Chapter 7, Communion in the Spirit, which my art director, by the way, said was way too long. <laughs> so I said, you're right, I'll pay you more for that. Number 11, proclamation, we are followers of the true gospel of God and the apostles' doctrine given by Holy Spirit that reveals the grace, the great mystery, and the glory of God. So we've gone over what is the true gospel, and it is the mystery, the apostles' doctrine. Another famous glitch of mine is my mouse disconnect. However, being followers of the true gospel of God and the apostles' doctrine given be a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of truth, remember? Jesus Christ said, I will leave, I will send you a comforter. He called it the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth is now in you. And when you read the scriptures, that spirit of truth will stir in you. It will decipher for you. It will de decode the scriptures for you. I've seen it work time after time after time. I've been reading the word, and the words will jump out, say, from a page in a three-dimensional pattern that exaggerates or reveals the significant words from that page. It's kind of like speed reading, <laughs> except you're now enlightened by the Spirit of Truth showing you a different perspective not a different word. It hasn't changed, but it's a sharper way of revealing the scriptures unto you. And it works. Just ask God. He says, ask of us. Ask the Spirit to teach you. The great mystery and the glory of God. And as I attempt to plug in my mouse, This is no cheap production here, by the way. It just seems that way. Well, the number 12. We are the initiated, perfecting, enlightened ones and are of the household of God. For our bond is the bond of what? Perfectness. Knitted together in love, and we are to be like-minded through the fullness of the light of the mind of Christ. We are the Christ in a mystery 
fellowship. You know what knits us together in love? Look at all those words. We are the initiated ones, the perfected or the perfect, the enlightened ones, the household of God and of the faith. All of those terms in the scripture refer to the mystery. None of them refer to the gospels. I read you all the differences a while ago. They're referring to us. We are of the household of God, it says in Ephesians. We are of the faith. And it's the like-mindedness of the word that Paul exhorts us to. We are to be like-minded through the fullness of the light of the mind of Christ. So when you become like-minded, you will experience a bond of love like you've never experienced before. When I was first called unto the scriptures, I had a few mystical experiences that I did not know what they were. One of them was the new birth, but I did not know. How that God spoke to me audibly one night in a night of pain and suffering, and I was filled with such joy and peace and happiness that is un Describable, indescribable. It was a milestone in my life, and I'll never forget that experience. It also says of you, I'm not special. You too can hear the voice. It speaks of that, Jesus Christ said. Those that hear my voice, my sheep hear my voice. So the evidence, the reality of the new birth is a spiritual prayer language, but I also accept someone who says, I heard the voice. I ask them, well, what did the voice say? <laughs> and if they are accurate in telling me, it's in its simplicity, then I understand that it was truly from God. So, we are the Christ in a mystery fellowship. Here's our mission, to lead people in the way of God more perfectly and to make all mankind see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Our creed, the Lord our God is one. Ooh, I got my mouse back. Our creed is the Lord our God is one, even as we are one mystery fellowship. Even as we are one mystery fellowship. I'm looking for a verse that shall enlighten you. Second Corinthians chapter three or four, chapter four. That if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them who believe not. Wait a minute. I thought God was in control of everything in this world. That's what some people think. Yes, God will intervene. He'll, he has divine providence. I believe in divine providence, especially when it comes to history. 
But Satan is considered the God and ruler of this world. How did he get that? He got it from Adam. Adam transferred that power unto him. Satan stole it. In whom the God of this world has hid and blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, or the gospel of glory, which is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach or expound, not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus Christ's sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a fantastic verse. What a beautiful summation of who we are. We are the light of the world. We're the ambassadors for God. We have the righteousness now of God. We have the sanctification. We have everything. We've been redeemed. It's all done, people. There's no more works to do except carry forth and hold forth the word. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's a beautiful verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So, I hope tonight you enjoyed our teaching on the proclamations, and it's going to be a new, how shall I say, we're going to, uh, our theme will be Living the light, and in the light, we have a new logo, we have a new name, and lots of things are going to come our way. God gives us promises. Now, I shall end the show tonight, one station break, and then we're going to end with one of my favorite pieces of music by Moby, God Moving Over the Face of the Water, one of the most beautiful piano pieces, orchestra pieces you'll ever hear. God bless you. This has been your host, Mystic Guide, and signing off. Till next week, Tea Party. listening to enlightenment radio along your journey for a purpose to find your mission travel to enlightenment-radio.com there you will discover your highest spiritual path then say goodbye to the milky way where your new kingdom will be awaiting you here's the keys to galaxy 9 Goodbye. Goodbye.